Shut up and sit down. Sanctioned by the Mississippi Athletic Commission, Chairman John Lewis, Commissioners Larry Torgerson, Eddie Payton, the three judges, scoring our main event, Larry Engel, Mike Frazier, and Tractor Roberts. And ladies and gentlemen, the third man inside the square circle, our referee in charge of the action at the bell, Bill Clancy. And now, from the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, we have one final question for you. What time is it? Fight fans, what time is it? Well, well, well. Welcome back to a Guy Think Podcast live experience, episode 84. I had to do it for my boy, Jeff Houston. He is just an unbelievably amazing ring announcer. I mean, you see it right there. He just amps up the crowd. He's styling and profiling with this amazing getup that he's always wearing and just a great, great guy. Uh, so I am super happy to have him on the podcast tonight. Uh, before I pull him up on the stream, I just want to say welcome back to the live experience and also follow me at a guy thing podcast all over social media, as well as the website guythingpodcast.com. And please subscribe because that helps me, as always, grow the show. Even through quarantine, we are doing podcasts. The podcast business is booming through quarantine. So please uh, enjoy it. Shout out to Deck Masses of South Florida. Um, I know businesses are a little crazy right now, but the reminders always have to be there. When things get back to normal, hit them up, deckmastersofsouthflorida.com. This episode is brought to you by Bare Knuckle Freak for all your bare knuckle news. Amazing stuff. Uh, without further ado, I want to bring up the man himself, world-class professional ring announcer, Jeff Houston. Jeff. Joe, 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 Jabberwocky Joe, what's shaking, bacon? Uh, everything's good, man. Uh, you know, down here in South Florida, it's, uh, you know, the toilet paper brigade continues. Uh, Are they staying off the fucking beach, man? Tell I, them to stay home, Dan. It's, it's been crazy. I got to tell you, man, it's... Everybody's going to like they shut down pretty much all the beaches now. There are some counties where the beaches are still open, but you know, the spring breakers, man. I mean, they're the cops are out there busting knees because these people keep going back to the beaches. It's it's nuts, man. We don't care about your good time. We care <laughs> about seeing this thing end a hell of a lot sooner than later. So if any of those spring breakers are out there and happen to come across this, I'm gonna say it again. Fuck your good time. <laughs> I could give two shits about your social life. I care about ending this and getting back to goddamn work. I'm with you, man. 100. You 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 say what you uh, what you're thinking. I love it. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like I I see these people out there. Like you know, all right. Granted, I go to the supermarket. 
there's some people in hazmat suits. They got the masks on. I mean, it's pretty intense. It's like being on the set of Outbreak. But pretty much, uh, you know, I guess better to be safe than sorry. But yes, I agree with you. Like the Spring Breakers. Now, here's, here's the issue, which I think they're going to have to look into. People are staying off the beaches, like Palm Beach. You know, everybody's been pretty good about it. But now they're going to in the ocean. Now they're all taking their boats out. They're all going to what's called Lake Boca, which is just like a sand barge. And they're all tying their boats together and they're hanging out partying in the water, which is even worse because they're all peeing in the water. So now it's it doesn't make any sense, man. Well, you know what they should do? They should send the Coast Guard out there, quadrant it off and keep them there. And say, hey, you want you want to party? You want to be in the ocean? That's just fine. But guess what? You're not going nowhere. I don't care if bad weather comes in. I don't care if typhoons or hurricanes come in in the specific area. Guess what? You made your bed. You're gonna fucking lay in it. Damn right, man. Damon Feldman says best ring announcer in the business. Oh man, that- I can't I can't wait for celebrity boxing to get back going, Damon. What's up, Bacon? Yeah, man, me too. Uh, it's been nuts, you know, it's, with all these events getting canceled, sports being postponed. Uh, obviously, Bare Knuckles got uh, a lot of, you know, postponed events as well, like two, maybe now three in the May event. Mm-hmm. We're already almost in April. So what's it been like for you? I mean, you know, you travel the world, you know, in all these different promotions. And how does this affect, you know, first of all, personally, you as a professional, how has this been affecting you? Personally, it doesn't affect me at all because it's not a personal situation to me. It's a professional situation and it shuts down my livelihood and that directly affects me. But I'm not taking it personal because it's, you know, it's not something that any one of us can control. It's beyond our control. And because of that, that's why I don't take it personally. Professionally, yeah, it's it's hitting the pocketbook hard. And it, the last thing that I want to do is not work and not be out there for the fighters, for the fans, for the pay-per-view audience, and for everybody who bought a ticket to come see it. So yeah. that's the way that I see it. So I'm, you know, professionally, it sucks. Personally, eh, it's more time on the couch. I'm trying to balance out my time at home and, uh, you know, try to stay productive to a degree. But you know, eventually you're going to run out of board games. Eventually you're going to run out of, uh, uh, you know, movies and such. So, you know, I am getting ready to get back into the gym. This second chin right here shows that I haven't hit it too hard. (laughs) Uh, and I, and I've got so many people on social media saying, Oh, Jeff, you know, you have a home gym, you have no excuses. I said, in answer to that, I have plenty of excuses. (laughs) It's the motivation that I need to beat the shit out of the excuses. True. Now, let me let me ask you this, because I, I saw on your Facebook, you posted your home gym, which looks really cool, by the way. I like the colors, the blue and the green it look really cool in there. So are you doing a lot of home workouts right now? Seems like yeah. everybody's doing it. Yeah, I've had that gym for a couple of years now, and I certainly could be more on it. But uh, I'm a lazy son of a bitch, you know, on and off. Uh, but I have good genes, so if I want to get back there and put in, put on muscle and eat right, I can absolutely do it because one of my favorite things to do when I get in there, I've got one of those um, uh, deadlift bars, the uh, the hexagon bars. Okay. And that's and that's my favorite exercise because I just that works everything. And then I put on the gloves and I go hit the heavy bag, and I get a good cardio workout there. And I also have one of those assault air bikes, which trust me, most MMA fighters most boxers and even bare knucklers know 
that that is an extreme love-hate relationship with that assault air bike, man. Oh my God, it pushes you unlike any other cardio machine that there is out there. So I'm going to really start hitting that hard because I'd like to drop about a good 20, 30 pounds and uh, get back into the squared, uh, squared circle looking good. Yeah. How, what's the longest you spent on that bike? Uh, I did a full on sprint on the bike for four minutes and I thought I was going to die. Wow. Wow. Full on sprint for four straight minutes, man. And that is just, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. Honestly, I was about ready to call my next of kin. <laughs> Yo, we got to we got to do like a, a, a challenge or something and see who could go the longest on that thing. Well, then whoever else does the challenge will win. <laughs> Dude, we got to do something to pass the time. I mean, we have no fights, no sports. We got to get creative with entertainment right now. So. Now's the time for so somebody to capitalize. If there's any opportunists out there, now's the time to capitalize and create your own damn sport from home. See what we could do. And not only that, it's also the time to capitalize on social media. If ever there was a time in modern human history with the creation of social media, man, now is the time that we should be all up on it. Yep. There's, I mean, seriously, I mean, you can hang out in, uh, you know, virtually now. I mean, it's to the point to where, you know, all I have to do is, you know, Skype y'all. I have to do is get on here and I get a video chat going. I mean, there's, oh, we have, we, we have exactly, we have that connection available and there are a lot of people that aren't doing it right now that should be. So dude, get into that social media. You're always on it when there, when, when we don't have this shit going on, when we don't have to worry about social distancing, keeping six feet away from each other. And yet everybody's still on their damn phone. But now they're bitching, oh, there's nothing to do. I'm like, are you kidding? Most of you yeah. guys are on your fucking phone even when there are things to do. True. That's so true, man. Even at the bar. You go to a bar. You go to a restaurant. You're hanging out in public. Everybody's everybody, on the phone. Everybody's like this. Imagine me doing a podcast with you right now, and I'm just like this the whole time. How I'm, I'm sure that there are podcasters out there that do that, even though that, you know, it's all about FaceTime, man. It really is. It really is. It, it, it's nuts, man. But yeah, I, you know, I've seen like people getting creative too on the positive side. I've seen people getting very creative with the things that they're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. I see people breaking out the board games. I see people making funny videos to pass the time and share it. Um, what I've been doing is I've just been making funny, uh, you know, posts on, on, uh, on social media, you know, just to, Lighten up the monotony a little bit, you know. It's it's been heavy out there, so you know. It is what it, it, it is. What it is. You have to find uh, whatever you need to pass your time, and eventually, a lot of people are going to get really creative on it. And <clears throat> it's certainly coming. But I just got a text uh, indicating that here in San Antonio, the mayor did exactly what I thought he would do, and he instituted a stay at home. He really? instituted. Yeah, he just he, he just instituted a stay at home. So uh, I guess that that's where we are. Uh, I kind of figured that they'd be doing that because there are a lot of major cities. Houston already has it. Austin just had it. I was expecting San Antonio to uh, drop that on us. So that's where we are. And honestly, it's the best thing that we can do right now is distance ourselves and give this thing an opportunity to uh, you know, for the testing to be done, for a vaccine to be found. And I think the sooner that we do it, the sooner our lives get back to normal. I'm back in the squared circle. I'm yeah. back in the cage. I'm back on the plane, you know, doing what I love to do more than anything in this world. 
Yeah, I think you know. I, I think you speak for a lot of people when you say that. Now let me ask you this: You said Texas is doing a stay-at-home uh, in Florida, I, and correct me if I'm wrong. In Florida, they're doing a curfew. Is that what that means, or is a stay-at-home like you just basically can't leave your house all day? I just got a text uh, at the, with minimal information, so I'd actually have to go on uh, a news media site to find out what the specifics are. So I just got brass tax info, but I figured the stay at home uh, order was going to go down with us. So I'm sure I'll know more uh, after we're all done with here. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I, I I see like on the news the the rules are changing. You know the law. You know everything is is constantly evolving. I guess. With more information that's coming out with this disease, uh, you know, there's more information coming out for, you know, social distancing and, and you know, things like that, different rules. Um, yeah, man, I've been I've been going out. I mean, I don't know, man. It doesn't affect me much. Like mon Monday through Friday, I'm working from home, you know, I'm either at my office or now I'm working from home. But Monday to Friday, I'm in the house anyway. You know, if I go to the gym, it's across the street in my clubhouse. I'm working out in the house now. So for mm -hmm. me. Not really a big deal for the weekends, whatever. I go out, go for a walk. We're going to the beach. That's over with, but it's whatever. It's just whatever. I mean, it's just yeah. whatever. I mean, you know, I'm, I can be a homebody myself. I love my time. Uh oh, look at this before I actually get going. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Who's the guy with the crappy shoes you're interviewing? Uh, the guy who exceeds you in his wardrobe by about a million universes to yourself, sir. Go ahead and talk that nonsense. Talk that crap, uh, Mr. Scott Burt. You know something? I'll give you I'll give the devil his due. Your shoes are on point. But the only reason your shoes are on point to begin with is because I started up the competition. We started up that competition and that burning desire to constantly outdo me. I instilled that in you, good sir. That was not there before. I mean, you had decent shoes, but you weren't up to my level. So you had to work. I didn't have to work. Ooh, shots fired. Shots fired, man. That's called a bazooka. It's right here. I got it right on my shoulder, man. <laughs> All right, let's such get, a cool let, dude, man. Let's get off the corona stuff, man. I mean, I've, I've heard enough you. of that. I've heard enough of that shit right now. I mean, let's yeah. go ahead. I mean, this is supposed to be a one-on-one. -on -one. Let's get it done. So, I, I perfect. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the segue, by the way. Uh, so, sure. uh, what I want to know, you know, because you, you know, people see you on TV and they see this well-dressed ring announcer doing his thing getting everybody ready to go for the fight night. Uh, but maybe, you know, some people don't know the behind the scenes of, of Jeff Houston. And I think you're, you have a very interesting story and I think it's very inspirational. And, but what I want to know is from a success side, cause I'm very interested in people's success stories, the mindset and what it takes to get to that next level. First and foremost for you, Jeff, what entered, when did it enter your mind that you wanted to be a ring announcer? Well, the first time that I really contemplated it, I mean, I was just a little kid. You know, I was probably nine years old at the time, but I know exactly the day that uh, it entered into my uh, in my brain. In my brain, uh, it was March the 29th, nineteen eighty seven, WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome. Uh, Hogan Hulk and the Giant. Hogan and Andre. I was fourth row center. Uh, my dad actually got us uh, backstage laminate VIPs. So we actually came in the service entrance because you'll actually, if you watch some of the documentaries about WrestleMania three, one of the yeah. biggest issues they had was getting 
the was getting the wrestling fans in the building because there was just so much bedlam in traffic and also parking. But we completely, uh, you know, we 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 avoided that by going in through the service entrance. And I got the opportunity to see. Uh, I got to meet Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Bobby Heenan. Uh, I, I, I already have a little bit of a familiarity with Andre the Giant uh, through my family. So I was very fortunate about that. I'll touch on that in a little bit. But one thing that I remember when I just when we were about to go to our seat, we walk right into Gorilla Monsoon and he's all decked out, ready to go. You know, he's got a good attitude, but he, a lot of people don't know how much he actually truly ran backstage. I mean, the guy was just so instrumental to WWE for the longest time. What's up, Jimmy? A uh, former promoter of mine that uh, I worked a long time ago. And uh, Texas Wrestling, man, good stuff, that. Good stuff. Jimmy's a jacked-out Santa. Uh, I, I'd like to say that uh, he, that is him, but it is not. Sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was in another lifetime. Maybe it was another in a lifetime. But uh, as soon as we were going out, I remember – Gorilla Monsoon, solid six, 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 seven, you know, bending down saying, hello, little one, welcome <laughs> to WrestleMania. And I, I was just like losing my mind. And the, I, I, I'd honestly say the minute that I probably knew that this is something that I liked and maybe I wanted to pursue when I got older was at the conclusion of the Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat uh, match for the Intercontinental title, which was oh. still, to, still to this day the greatest live match I've ever seen in my life. It's absolutely, absolute the best. But after uh, Ricky Steamboat got the pin and the ring announcer, Howard Finkel, who, in my opinion, is the greatest ring announcer that ever lived. I can't. I used to try to do Howard Finkel impersonations when I was a kid. It's, it's so hard. It's, it's impossible. So, well, it's it's the, he has a baritone bass. I mean, he lives in a basement, you know, with his voice so much. So it's yeah. just so hard to emulate. But when you when I remember hearing him, 93,000 plus him saying, Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this bout and new. Yeah, exactly. And when he said new, the crowd's volume went from 10 to 10,000. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying to myself, the command that he had over the audience, I was like, wow, what a cool job. So, no, I mean, yeah. No disrespect to you whatsoever, but I've never heard a ring announcer so incredibly good in my life. Like, you know Howard Finkel, like growing up as a kid. Why like, would I take? Why would I take offense to that? He's the yeah. greatest. He is the greatest. He is the most inimitable ring yeah. announcer that there is out there. It's so difficult to do that. I mean, the guy himself. I mean, he looks like a high school substitute chemistry teacher. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, should I, should I pull up a clip real quick of him doing it? I mean, for those who are interested in it, I mean, you know, this is if this is going to be ring announcer 101, you know, somebody who has nowhere near the experience that he does. But if if I'm going to tell you somebody that I prefer and I believe is the best in the business, then sure. Why not? If you if you're going to you're going to you're going to co-sign that I'll co-sign it. I'll co-sign it if you want it, man. I'll co-sign it if you want it, man. But, you know, I got the opportunity to meet him uh, many, 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 many years later. And the guy salt of the earth, uh, funny as hell. You know, I'm part of the uh, the golden age uh, wrestling right right before the golden age died. Uh, longest tenured employee that the WWE ever had. I believe he started in 1975. Wow. So the guy has been around and he's had some of the most classic uh, introductions that almost any ring announcer can do. And a lot of people say, well, what about Michael Buffer? What about Bruce Buffer, Jimmy Lennon Jr.? 
I mean, hey, they have all done what they do and they are where they are. But it's also a matter of preference. It's also a matter of preference. And I just never heard, I've seen so many people try to rip off Michael Buffer. I've seen a million people try to rip off Bruce. Bruce is the most imitated ring announcer that there has ever been because everybody tries to recreate that energy that he has. And all, and all it does is, for all of you out there who know that you're doing it, all you're doing is recreating the energy instead of creating your own. You should be creating your own energy. I mean, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, but don't imitate, innovate. Be your own person. Be your own person when you're on the microphone. Now, did I imitate? At one point, it's a necessity because not everybody knows their own style immediately off the bat. And if you do, you're and if you said that you do, you're a goddamn liar. Let me tell you about that. So that's what it really took for me to, you know watch all of these classic announcers, especially Howard Finkel, learn the pacing, learn the posture, how to work the crowd, how to read a crowd on top of that. And I got a lot of that. Oh, there he is, man, the man himself. Isn't he great? Oh, he's dude, great. He's, a, he's a legend. And to get accolades like that from somebody like Bill, who is so down to earth, but he's like me, he's like me when he's in the cage. Uh, in the, I mean, in the ring, excuse me. I mean, you know, Bill, when you're in the ring, you have tunnel vision, just like me. All you see is the work ahead. You can't be shaken. You can't be. I mean, you, you just can't be. And I love that. That's why I love working with uh, Bare Knuckle, because the professionals that I work with and the collective experience between everybody, it's just off the page. It, it, he, it, it really is. Yeah. You know, I'm glad Bill popped up. And hello, Bill. Thanks for joining. Thank uh, you, I got to I got to tell you about Bill. He did. I actually. All right. So a lot of times when you watch clips of fights, you know, you're so interested in the knockout and the highlights and stuff like that. And, you know, if you're not like fully involved in, in the sport or behind the scenes, the, the common fan doesn't appreciate what the referee does in the ring. You know, I will tell you, I watched a highlight of the knockout between uh, Dat Nguyen and Abby Velasquez. Mm-hmm. And the job that Bill Clancy did was phenomenal in that fight. Because you could see a guy that is not only a professional but cares about what he does. When Abby hit the mat, Bill Clancy's had such a quick reaction to wave for the doctors to come in. I mean, it it was like actually when I replayed it, I'm like, holy shit! Look how fast Bill Clancy got involved. Like he was just doing his job, but you could you could you could see the guy is passionate about what he does. I'm like, I actually made a comment during that video because people were watching it and commenting. I'm like, look at the job the referee did. I, I actually gave him credit on my post for that. So credit to referee Bill Clancy for the excellent job because he did, and he and he knows he it's it's just a reactionary it's it's a reaction it is a reaction out of you know just so many years thirty plus years of doing what he does and the man is so in tune to the fighters and their you know physical attributes about what's happening he's so involved and that's the kind of referee that you want on your side because especially when it comes to a nasty knockout you're talking about crackerjack timing to get uh medical attention to this individual because you never know how severe the knockout is and to see him just, you know, spring into action without even a hesitation, without a second's notice, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he's uh, he, he's and he's a great guy, man. I spoke to him on the phone a couple of weeks ago because we're doing the prediction show, and uh, it was, he was so cool, man. So it was uh, cool to talk to him and, and get to know no, him a little bit. 
he's a he's a great guy. But getting back to what I was saying um, yeah. about you know my journey, so to speak, and how I you know unfortunately uh, you know in my teenage years and my early adult years, which are definitely the time, definitely the time that I should have been you know attempting to get into this field and honing my craft at an extremely young age. I wish I had of, but I was very lost as uh, a teenager and a young adult. You know, I wasn't a good student. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even have a high school diploma. I'm a GED dude. I'm a GED dude because I was just so lost. I got involved in drugs. I, you know, I got involved with the wrong people. In my younger adult years, <clears throat> I, was, uh, I, had a, I was homeless and had a severe cocaine addiction. You know, I was, I, I was nobody. I was nothing. I was a, I was taking up space that would have been better for somebody else. And that's the way that I see it. I was an absolute waste of space. One day I wake up and uh, I remember, I even remember the day very clear in my mind. I was trying to lift my head off my pillow and I couldn't do it. And I just had a really rough night the other night before. And I hear this tearing sound as I push back my pillow and I'm like, I'm still so messed up that I'm not really even sure about what's going on. So I get up, I walk to the mirror in my apartment, I turn on the light and I see that from top of my head all the way down past my shoulders, I was completely covered in blood. And I look back on my pillow and my pillow, which was a queen size pillow was almost completely soaked in this about maybe foot, two foot circle of blood around me. And I was wondering what the hell happened. And I had found out, I had done so much over the time, and this apparently was just the last straw this uh, this last night that I had, that all of the mucous membranes inside of my nasal cavities completely dried up and popped overnight. And just pop, 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 pop overnight. Uh, I almost lost two pints of blood. I lost almost two pints of blood. Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible, man. And I remember I didn't want to go to the hospital because this could have been reported to the police as a potential OD. So I went to one of those 24 seven emergency care places <clears throat> and I'll never forget the name of the doctor, Dr. Anderson. He came in and Dr. Anderson, I know that sounds like the most vanilla name, but believe it or not, <laughs> it was a Dr. Anderson that actually saw me. And he had already looked over my brief toxicology that he had gotten from me in the brief amount of time that I was there, walked into the room, sat down, literally didn't say anything, but just sat down, pushed his chair up to me and said, I've looked over your medical files. This is the first time for you that anything like this has happened. And I'm going to tell you one thing. It better as shit be your last because I'm going to do you a favor. I'm not going to report this case to the hospital. Wow. I'm not going to do it. I could. I absolutely could because I am required to report this to the hospital and the hospital then in reports it to the police as a potential drug overdose. Hmm. You know, so but he, he took pity on me. He took pity me and he said, if I see you back here again or I hear about this, I am also, he said, even though that my job's on the line, I'll go ahead and I'll report, I'll report what you did the first time and you'll be a habitual uh, repeat uh, case if you go back again. And he, seriously, he gave me some Valium. He gave me, you know, some muscle relaxers, you know, some stuff to take care of my nose. He took pity on me and that was the ultimate wake up call in between seeing my blood matted face and an incredibly nice doctor putting his ass on the line for me. And he didn't know me from Adam. He didn't know me at all. That was the ultimate wake up call. And I'm very happy to say that, you know, I am almost 20 years sober 
off of Amazing. that. I have, haven't even thought about it. And at that point, it was a wake-up call. I was working regular jobs, but in the back of my mind, I still had that memory that I had when I was nine years old at WrestleMania. And I said, what am I going to do to make this happen? So I finally started when I was 25 and I started on the independent wrestling scene. <laughs> and I remember just being so incredibly gratified and happy to be doing this, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. First thing everybody said, great voice. I'm like, thanks. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with it at the time, as does anybody who the first time they pick up a mic. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to work the crowd. At the, you know, I remember when I first started off in uh, pro wrestling, I would actually talk back to the wrestlers. Like I'd get up in their face if they got up in my face. I, I mean, I had been watching wrestling forever, but you figured as a wrestling fan, I would have known how to sell to a face and how to sell yeah. to a heel and that it wasn't about me. It was about them. And right. the faces were always going to put me over and the heels were always going to mess with me, which mm -hmm. is the way that it was supposed to be. And I was very stupid about that. And I'm still scratching my head about that one because I'm like, why didn't I know that? I've only been a wrestling fan since 1983. <laughs> so, I mean, I figured that I, I should know that by now. I mean, but you know what? It was what it was. And, it, you know, it was a horrible situation. You know, like I said, you know, when people always ask me about what I did before I started ring announcing, nothing, not a goddamn thing. I was, like I said, as lost, as lost as a person could be. Uh, you know, I didn't have any kind of immense radio background. You know, mm -hmm. ring announcing was never even really a dream for me because a lot mm -hmm. of people saying chase the dream, chase the dream. I never had the dream to do this. You know, it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't that I laid awake nights thinking that I can do this. Yeah. It, that, that, uh, that wasn't my story. So therefore, anybody says chasing the dream, please reward that. Please reward that because it wasn't a dream to me. It was something that I finally saw and I said, maybe I could make a go with this. And I did. I did. I did. But, you know, I'll tell anybody, you know, I was not given a goddamn thing. I was not given a God. I was extended opportunities, mm. but those opportunities are always contingent on if you can do the fucking job to begin with. True. So that's why I, that's why I can honestly say I wasn't given a damn thing and I shouldn't have been given a damn thing. I mean, it's one of the words that I hate more than anything in this world is deserve. I hate that. I hate that word. I, it's a millennial word. You don't deserve shit. You earn mm -hmm. it. You earn it. Oh, Scott, look at Scott putting me over. I go I ahead and put I, over. I put him under the bus, which I love to do as often as I can. But then he uh, puts me over as the first ever ring announcer in the Bare Knuckle Boxing Hall of Fame, which was an incredible honor, Scott. I mean, I'll, I'll, wow. I'll, I'll, you know, that was, you know, I'm the first. And that made me, uh, that was something, man. That says it uh, with a tear in my eye. That's incredible. Now, did you go to uh, Belfast for the ceremony? I, I did. I did. I did. I was, yeah, yeah. The uh, tiny little town of Knuckletown, USA, uh, Belfast, New York. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like it's a second home. I've got so many second homes with all the traveling that I do. So it's easy for me to say that this is my second home. It could be my second, 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 second home. But um I love it there, man, because the entire town has completely embraced bare knuckle boxing. And when you go and see the site itself with the training barns, the uh, John L. Sullivan and uh, William Muldoon uh, training barns, it's incredible. 
it is I'd as go there and check it out. It is as Americana. It is as American as the stars on the flag. Wow, that's a that's a great way to uh, to describe that place. Wow, I want to say so. Pretty cool because a lot of you know a lot of the stuff I didn't I didn't know about you, and I'm privileged to uh, have you share your story with me on the podcast. Um, so amazing. We've had Howard Finkel was a big inspiration wrestling fan. Amazing because I've been a wrestling fan since I'm a kid too. So that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, I was born in '83. Uh, so I know you said you were a wrestling fan since 83, but when I, as I got older as a kid, I was six. So I was six years old at that time. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's kind of, that, that was me when I was six. I got, I started getting into it and I'd see like all the old wrestling matches, but Hogan slam and Andre and Hogan was like, you know, he was my hero as a kid. Um, but that's cool. You know, I didn't know that you were on the indie circuit and wrestling. Um, oh, yeah. so I think, uh, would you, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm just, just a question, but, uh, did you feel that you developed your in-ring personality from being on uh, independent wrestling because it's so it's such an entertainment industry? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. No way. No way. Mm -mm. Not even close. No, I was. Uh, that was really. I learned more on reading crowds. Okay. with indie wrestling than I did about my own persona because I had no idea what the fuck I was doing it I was just you know you know you know it's like a shake and bake colony you know you fake it until you make it yeah so I didn't know I didn't know anything I was green for several years as anybody would be if they're chasing uh, a lifelong ambition uh well not necessarily like a lifelong ambition but if you feel that this is what you want to do collectively for the rest of your life well, then, you know that at least the first, you know, five years, if not more than that, you are going to be swinging for the fences and you're not going to be knocking Babe Ruth home runs out. You're not. You know, it's all going to be a learning curve. And it was for me. And it was for me. I mean, I got my ass kicked all the time. You know, I got hit in the head with chairs. I got busted open. Ah, Jake. My main man, Jake Montalvo, down there in the RGV, man, UFC referee, uh, you know, uh, black belt, uh, BJJ extraordinaire. He's got a great, great school down there in uh, in the Valley. Uh, good, good person, man. Very long time. Good friend of mine, uh, awesome. Jake Montalvo. Yeah, we bled the same blood in the same mud in the same cage in the same ring. So wow. that's good stuff, man. But uh, Thanks but for yeah, joining, Jake. yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I didn't I didn't learn anything about my personality because mm -hmm. I was just still so new to it. And as I said, I was I was getting put through tables. I was getting busted open with chairs. Oh, uh, wow. I even got stripped down to my boxers and my ankle socks uh, one time. And that was a fun <laughs> and that was a funny story because the the promoter, Brandon Oliver with River City Wrestling, he had told me, uh, Jeff, you're going to get clothes checked today. And I'm like, OK, you know, I, I, I never really objected to anything because it was fun. You know, it was fun. It was just fun. So what I did is I figured, you know, I want to get a good response out of that. So I went out and I got myself and it was they told me this, but there was a, a whatchamacallit, a mall not too far away from where we were doing the show. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to run out and I'm going to get myself a novelty pair of boxers because, you know, if they're going to strip me down, I want to. <laughs> I, well. I might as well. So, <laughs> all right, so I found this particular pair that had a squirrel in a UPS outfit carrying a box and below it, it said, I got a big package. <laughs> people must have been now did you say anything to anyone it was uh, 
Like oh, no. Like oh, no. Oh, no, yeah, no, 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 said no, anything no, either. no, no, no. Why would a magician show you the tricks? Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely not. So I got in front of about uh, a couple hundred people. I got stripped down to my boxers and my ankle socks, thrown around, whipped by a belt, kicked out of the ring, <laughs> cr crawled back. And apparently I didn't wear anything tight underneath. So there were girls after there were, there was like some girls that came up to me afterwards said, Jeff, you know, when you got thrown through the air, your business was all over the place. <laughs> you know, this wasn't a, this wasn't a PG, but thankfully she said, but thankfully she said, well, just to let you know, I mean, you got some nice business. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the boxers weren't yeah. lying. <laughs> <laughs> the boxers were not lying no they were not is no, there any video footage of this oh god no back then damn, damn back then we're talking worth, worth asking right we're talking 2004 2005 that's yeah. probably not yeah 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 i mean camera phones back then were even in their infancy you know <laughs> back then so I, I doubt it i i seriously i seriously doubt that man but uh yeah um I, I really started learning how to read an audience because I started off in such smaller venues. And when you're in smaller venues, it's easier to read faces. And then you start really kind of reading the people. You know what pumps them up. You know what they don't want to hear. So in wrestling, that's where I learned how to read the audience. As far as my personality, I'm going to be honest with you. I learned that in MMA. Okay. I learned that I learned that more in MMA because MMA was a little bit more over the top than professional boxing when I started because professional boxing is really all about presentation and it's much more uh, conservative right. than MMA. So MMA is really where I learned about my presentation and my my in ring or in cage performance. Yeah. So looking back <laughs> from where you are today compared to when you first began what do you feel the biggest difference was or is and also um how much have you feel you've grown as a professional since since then that's you you can't answer that question with a straight face i've grown a million years <laughs> i am an absolutely different person now than what i once was as far as my professional i mean i was always professional but there's always a way to deliver what you do to the audience. And that is like night and day from when I started. I mean, I was always a passionate person, you know, with what I did. I always wore it on my sleeves. And most of the time I was louder than I should have been. You know, I really, I then a lot, hell of a lot louder than I should have been. But, and, you know, I could tell you the, the, the good people with, uh, uh, what you would call it, uh, I hate it when I have a brain fart. Oh, uh, Oscar, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, uh, you know, oh, Golden, Golden Boy, Golden Boy <laughs> promotions. They never really liked me that much because I was very loud. I wasn't the traditional, I wasn't the traditional maitre d look-alike ring announcer that so many of them wanted. So I was very different. I mean, but I can still do boxing. The funny thing about it is, even today. You know, sometimes if I get uh, pegged to do a boxing show, I'll actually have the promoters saying, you know something, I've seen your work and I've seen, you know, your videos and your dress and you know, you do know that we want you to tone it down a notch. Like they wouldn't already know if I've been in this field long enough that I can't be a versatile professional, mm -hmm. that you don't think that I don't already know that boxing is more conservative and that you have to tone it down and it's really more on a not a low key presentation, but definitely a different pace, hmm. much, di much different pace than MMA. 
So with that being said, it was just amazing. I, I almost wanted to say something, but I never did because, you know, I'm like, they, they should know this. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's MMA and my wild dress and all where that came from. Mm-hmm. The damnedest thing about that, that came from Korea. Really? That came from Korea. Cause I remember one day, I swear to God, it was like a Wednesday, just sitting at my house, watching TV. I look at my cell phone, I'm getting a call and it's a Korean number. And I'm like, what kind of scam is this? Or, you know, so I pick it up and it's the English speaking PR representative for Road FC, Road Fighting Championships okay. based out of Seoul. And they said, we came across your video and uh, the promoter likes what he sees. Can we fly you down here to do a show on Saturday? And it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. That Can we fly you out here for a show? And I say, I have to check a few things out before uh, I agree to that. So if you could hold on one second. So I got on my laptop real quick and I checked out uh, Road FC to see if this was legitimate. Mm -hmm. I had heard something about them before, but I hadn't really looked into it. But then I saw that it was and I got back on the phone. I said, sure, let's do it. So they flew me from San Antonio to Incheon Airport in uh, Seoul, South Korea. I had I I had been to Japan before, but I had I had I had been there in uh, as a vacation, never right. working. So it was my first time in uh, Asia uh, professionally, and it was just the most mind blowing experience I had ever seen in my life. Working with an international crowd and lang- and of course English not being the primary language, mm-hmm. and that's where you really learn how to read a crowd when they don't even speak English. So you announced in English and yeah yeah yes 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 they would yes what would happen was is that I would announce in English and basically like I'd announce one match and then the Korean announcer would announce another okay and then we kind of trade off and then in the co-main in the main event um, excuse me I'd introduce the blue corner he'd introduce the red corner okay and we had that dynamics going on Mr. Young Moon Shin one of the one of the best announcers I have ever worked with the guy's an absolute animal of a beast. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mr. Shin and everybody with Road FC. Uh, you guys are handling this Corona shit so well. I'm so glad to see that everyone is so healthy over there. You guys are handling it. Hope, hopefully we will take a page out of your book when it comes to social distancing and actually staying at home because they're getting it done uh, crazy. The numbers are going crazy down. Mm-hmm. Please, everybody over there, stay safe. So I definitely want to give a shout out to them. But um as I started doing more and more shows with Road FC, the it's like it's like the crowd wanted more, and I started thinking, what can I do? What can I do that I haven't already done? So I started stepping up my dress and getting a little bit more wild, and then I even started saying, you know what? Everybody knows Bruce Buffer for doing like the Buffer three hundred and sixty and getting all in there. I said, you know something? I bet you the Korean fans would uh, start responding. If I did a few physical things, like okay. one time, like one time, I remember I was announcing a heavyweight match, and it was with uh, Mighty Mo. It was with Mighty Mo, and when I introduced him, I just said, "What the hell?" And I actually laid down on the mat and pointed to him. I saw that with, 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 <laughs> with, with the with the card, and they just ate it up. And then I did things like I'd run around the ring, I'd drop to my knees, you know, I I do like a Superman punch down, <laughs> and then. Uh, at the Chun at the Chunju Martial Arts Festival at Road FC 41, I believe it was either 41 or 42. I did something that no other announcer has ever done, ever before, and I'll never do it again because it's just too hard to hold the pitch and doing something like that. I actually did a roll on the floor. 
I actually did a roll. Like I laid down and I had the mic and I tucked myself and I did two rolls to the center and pointed at it and pointed at the, uh, at the fighter. His name was Arigala, big Chinese, big Chinese dude, very, very popular within road FC. But I did that okay. once and I actually held perfect pitch when wow. I did that. And I told myself, you know something, this is too hard to do on a regular basis. So this is the first time and the last time. And I've, I've never, I've never done it since. That's amazing. Nice words from Carrie. Absolutely. Thank <clears throat> you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome stuff right there. Thank you. So what is it like for you, like um, a large crowd compared to a smaller crowd, more intimate crowd? What's like, how do you, how, what is your approach? Like your mindset when you get into the ring before Same. you know? Same. 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 I don't care if it's 20 or 20,000. Okay. I don't care if it's five or 50,000. I give, I give the same effort. I give the same effort no matter what the crowd is. And even though that I have less eyes on me on a smaller crowd, as opposed to a big crowd where everybody just blends together, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me because anybody who says that they give more or less of an effort in that situation, you know, you're full of shit is what you are. True. You really are, because honestly, it should be the same effort day in and day out, especially when you get to a certain plateau. I'll be honest. And I know I know for a fact, and this is uh, confidence. I am not a conceited person by any stretch of the imagination, but I am one of the best ring announcers in the world today. And Absolutely. that is and that is a fact. That is not my opinion. That is a damn fact. And I have got the background, the shows and the experience to back that up. When people say Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer, Jimmy Lennon Jr., Joe Martinez, I am right there. Uh, you're you're in. I mean, first of all, being the ring announcer for Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship is a testimony to all of your hard work and and who you are. I mean, you would not be in. First of all, you travel the world, but you wouldn't be in the situation you're in right now if you weren't the best, right? You are the best, and I'll be proud to say I have the best ring announcer in the world on my podcast right now. So I am honored to have you on. Thank uh, you. Thank you know, and not taking anything away from the other guys, they're very good. But you're you're we're not talking away. about we're, we're not talking about them. I don't. I take yeah. nothing. I take nothing away from my fellow Mike men who are at the top of their game, like I am. I take nothing away from yeah. them at all. They have all worked very hard throughout their lives to build their brand. And where they are, they should be very proud at where, where they are. I mean, you know, Michael Buffer is 74 years old this year, and he's still announcing. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you if you're making that kind of money? Hell yeah. If you're making that kind of money and getting that kind of exposure, why wouldn't you? Unless the joy was gone. Is it Unless true that he was getting a million dollars a pop every time oh, he go God, out? I, I have no idea. I'm going to be honest with you. I, like I, never really, I never really cared. I never really cared. Yeah. Honestly, when it comes to uh, Alita, I love I love you too, sweetie. Yeah, we we miss you. Uh, we miss you guys a lot, man. But uh, we're going to get back at it. I'm not worried about that. But uh, I never really cared about uh, anything personal when it comes to the ring announcers. I never cared. I mean, you know, it's weird. When I was growing up, when I was a kid, I never had posters of people on my wall. I never emulated. I mean, I never idolized someone. I never said anybody was a God. I, I wasn't like that. I didn't really care. And there were so many people like, you know, that I know of, you know, they're huge music fans. They're so, you know, implement, you know, they're so ingrained into what happens into the musician's personal life. Mm -hmm. I could give two shits about what's happening in your personal life. The only thing I want you for is to be entertain me. Yeah. And honestly, that's the only thing that you should want from me. I never think if you don't care about my personal life, great. If I'm entertaining you, 
I'm so happy. I, I really, I, I really am. But I could give two shits about personal lives or what a person makes. I mean, if he makes a million dollars, good for him. But I seriously doubt it because as long as he's been doing it, he'd probably be like one of the richest people in the world if he had that kind of, especially as often as he travels. But I know for a fact that he makes more money on his uh, on his uh, trademark licensing than he does when he actually gets into the ring okay. and does his job because that's where the, his bread and butter is. And of course, uh, a lot of people who know his backstory know that uh, Bruce was in charge of uh, Ready to Rumble Enter Enterprises. So he was the one who helped him uh, secure all the global trademarks for uh, his catchphrase. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna say it because you know, I mean, that could be construed if I even said it on a, uh, on this media forum and I could you probably get a cease and desist or guess what? You know, you said that without our yeah without our permission. <laughs> Unbelievable, but true. Actually, true. I saw an old interview with Bruce and and they asked that, you know, they were like comparing him and his brother. He said, You can't compare me and my brother. He said, My brother is like a fine wine. I'm more like a shot of whiskey. You know, I thought that was kind of funny the way he described it. You no, know, that's that's accurate. That's yeah. no, that that's accurate. That's yeah. accurate because you know, I mean, Bruce has definitely honed his craft over time. What's up, Kevin? My boy, my man, uh, he's definitely honed his craft over time, but it's a completely different approach. You know, Michael Buffer wouldn't do three quarters of the shit that Bruce does, mm -hmm. you know, because he's definitely he's got the gentleman thing. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like watching James Bond announce. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true, man. The way that, you know, as, as slick as he is, you know, and, you know, as, as smooth as he is. The only thing I never really liked that he did is that I wasn't a big fan of him when he was in WCW. Yeah, that was very. He fucked, uh, he, no, no, no. He was good, but he fought, but he fucked up a lot. He yeah. messed up. He messed up a lot, and the wording for certain things when he was trying to build somebody in their ring walk didn't sound right. Mm -hmm. Like he would say, "Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome six foot seven Hulk Hogan." I mean, wh wh why would you say that? to his name. I mean, that should have been said earlier and everything, you know, I mean, it's, oh. it's, it's the pacing. It's the ring announcer mentality. I mean, mm -hmm. see, I see these things, but most other people don't because you're not in my field. So why should you see it? Right. But That's it's true. those things that I see. And I always thought that his buildups were great, but then when he started getting into the actual introductions, things were just out of place. Yeah. And it just didn't sound right to me. But then again, the last thing I'm going to do is put him under the bus because he was working that. He was one of the very few announcers that did the crossover from boxing to he did a few UFCs. You know, he did uh, wrestling. He's done it all. I mean, you know, he's one of those guys who's like me. Uh, I'm a versatile person. I've done I've done almost every form of combat sports on this planet that you can do. So I I understand that versatility. And I understand the pacing difference and such. And, you know, I, I give him credit for that. But like I said, I preferred him in the boxing ring, not in the wrestling ring. Yeah, he's most famous for it. And he does sound great in boxing. Uh, now, since we're talking about all different combat sports and you got the hat on, Bare Knuckle, how, how, did, uh, how did this story come about for you with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship? Oh, man. Um, it came about from uh, one person who is uh, one of my very good friends in the fight game, and that's my buddy Sean Wheelock. Sean Wheelock, one of the best promote, one of the best commentators out there, man. One of the absolute best and hardest working commentators I've ever come across in the game. Now, um, I was talking to him one day, and he was talking to me about bare knuckle, 
and the idea he was talking to me about David Feldman and you know what he had been attempting to do through all of these other athletic commissions and all these rejections that he'd been getting. I mean, he was turned down by 28 different athletic commissions before um, Wyoming said, we'll give it a chance. So I was, I, I, I said, I had seen a little bit of it on Facebook and social media. I said, you know what, would you mind uh, passing on a referral to, uh, to David Feldman? And he did. And because of that referral, I got to be involved in the wildest ride that I have had this far in my professional career. A lot of people ask me when it comes to what show do you think that you're going to remember more than most? And I remember being, you know, doing uh, Golden Boy promotion shows in Alamo Dome. In the Alamo Dome, 44,000 people waiting for Canelo Alvarez to kick the shit out of Austin Trout. So I know what that's like. But that's not the one that I would actually say is the most memorable. The first bare knuckle is the wildest, most unpredictable show that I had ever been a part of. And that was just not even two years ago. And the reason for this being, I had no idea what to expect. I had never done anything like this before. The concept was so new. It was met with such incredible criticism. I mean, David had even been getting death threats uh, before that show. So at the weigh-ins, he had, um, he had SWAT team members with a canine unit. Who was giving him death threats? I, I don't know specifically. I'm sure that if you talk to him about it, he'll probably let you know more about that. But seriously, he was getting death threats for this show, and I don't know why. But uh, wow. one, the one thing that I remember, especially about the weigh-ins, is that when we were weighing in the fighters, the fucking canine dogs wouldn't shut the hell up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, you know. And then the, the place that we were uh, doing it at, you know, it was this little ice house that had a mini putt-putt uh, golf course in the front. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, there is a different feel here than I've ever felt before. I just have this feeling that I am at the beginning of something great. Wow. I said, it's either two ways. either It's, it's either going to flop in once or it's going to be great. And as we all know, it couldn't have gone any better. It's amazing. It, it could not have gone any better. It was the just... It, it was just an absolute pleasure. And everybody who was there working with me, all the names that were there, you know, Bill Clancy, Big Dan Mergliata, Wayne Spinola, Stitch. We had uh, Antonio Tarver, Sean Wheelock. I mean, the names just went on and on for those who took a chance yeah. signing on with Bare Knuckle because I know all of them have gotten crap for backing this up. I know for a fact that I know I know for a fact, especially the referees. Who have gotten crap from the athletic commission yeah. saying, what the hell are you even bothering with this? Why are we bothering with this? And I'll tell you why. Less than two years later, and we're the most exciting combat sport on planet Earth. 100%. I agree. 100%. I'm a huge fan. Uh, look, UFC went through it. You know, everybody was saying, oh, it's a brutal sport, this, that, the other thing. And they've got It's gotten supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be brutal. Brutal is yeah. an appropriate word. Barbaric. <clears throat> I hear this all the time, and that is an incorrect word. Because yeah. when I when I think of barbaric, I think of violence that's forced against somebody. Sure, the fighters know what they're getting themselves into. They know fighters love it. And for the people that are watching, if, if you don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, because you're not backstage, it's like a traveling circus in a way. Everybody's having a good time backstage. People, well, it's yes. a camaraderie. It's a camaraderie it's that we have with bare knuckle that no other combat sport has. Mm -hmm. You see more calmness backstage 
at a bare knuckle. The weigh-ins that we have are some of the most docile weigh-ins that I've ever seen. The first one, nobody got into a tussle. Nobody got into a shoving match. And I was saying, oh, my God. And I said, maybe it's just because this was the first time and they were really still wrapping their heads around what was going to go down. Right. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I tell you, it's int it's interesting that we're we're talking about this right now. But yeah, backstage wise, I've noticed very everybody's very uh, cool with one another. You know, there there there's no. I mean, again, it's a younger promotion. Maybe these beefs have not developed yet. Whatever the case may be. But what I can tell you is from my experience, and my experience has been everybody's been a, a very true professional backstage. Everyone's gotten along very well backstage, and a lot of the fighters respect one another. So when they get in the ring, they know they're competing against one another, and it's nothing personal. Uh, and you can see that in the ring, too, the respect that the fighters have for each other. What I would like to see eventually happen, I would like to see a wild card eventually uh, step into the promotion. Somebody that is kind of – I'm not going to compare to anyone, but just a wild card, just a, a very outspoken personality – and, and somebody that could really sell a fight. I, I really. Well, the closest and, that we've had was the closest that we've had this far has been Pauli Malinaji. You know, Pauli Malinaji was kind of the wild card coming into this because, you know, he was definitely known as a shit talker and he was definitely known, you know, a lot of people know him as, you know, as a quintessential, you know, boxer. And not only that, they know him as a great commentator excellent. on HBO and Showtime Boxing. And he is, he's fantastic. He is a very, good analyst yes he is and I am, but he really started kind of lighting the fire under uh artem's ass and you know and that's when the war of words really started talking and i even remember the final press conference that we did i mean nobody could get a word in edgewise between these two these guys were just having at it tooth and nail on the microphone and artem has actually grown a lot on the microphone since he has been with bare knuckle this far you know, I mean, he's he's thrown out some good uh, good jabs out there as well. You know, and I, I believe that wild card is uh, coming. The ultimate wild card that you're that we're talking about. Yeah. I I, I, yeah. Re I really see that coming as well. It's just like you said before, we're so new. We're not mm -hmm. even two, we're not even two years in the game. So, you know, we're still in our infancy. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we've done we've done 10 shows. We've done 10, 11 shows, excuse me, 11 shows. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get a little bit, you know, flustered because sometimes I have to remember <laughs> how many shows I did because they all blend together at one point. But yeah, we've, so, done, yeah, 11, we, we've done 11 shows. I mean, we're we're barely double digits. Is it 11 or is it 10? Because 10 was Fort Lauderdale and, and 11 yeah, was yeah, canceled. I, well, 11, yeah. I'm sorry, man. I, I'm sorry. You're you did the right. You did the weigh-ins in the press conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, no, I didn't do the weigh-ins. We didn't oh, get... We didn't get to the weigh-ins. So you just did the press conference? We did the press conference okay, over I saw at that. Uh, Mel Hamilton right. Ford, That's and right. we got those done. And unfortunately, that evening, you know, we got word from uh, Kansas and the governor that they were going to shut the show down. And we, and I know everything was done to try to make that a closed-door event. Yeah. You know, they were really worried because uh, uh, Sean Wheelock is also a representative on the Kansas Athletic Commission. So he was really, okay. you know, working hard to try to help keep this afloat, at least for this. But there were just too many what ifs at the time. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that, you know, everybody start, that was at the right around the beginning when people were really starting to freak out uh, about this whole you know situation that we're in right now. So they did everything that they could to keep it going. But when it's handed down from that high above, not you could do. You, know, you got, you got to take it on the chin. Yeah. You, you got to take it on the chin and it sucked. But the weird thing is that, uh, that night, um, 
the ones who hung around, uh, Dave Rickles took us downtown to the Ambassador Hotel in this badass uh, kind of a prohibition speakeasy bar. Oh, cool. And we were all down there and the camaraderie for a canceled show was unlike anything I've ever seen before because people were upset, but they weren't angry. They weren't mm -hmm. angry because who are you going to be angry at? You know, I mean, it, it was unlike any situation that any of us had ever been a part of. So I think the fact that since all of us were going through this together for the first time, that's why it was so, you know, that's why it wasn't an angry affair. That's why we were, you know, taking it the best way that we could. We got drunk. We had a great time. I got to know some of the awesome Kansas fighters and it was, it was a good time, man. It was, a good, I mean, it was, it was the best time that I've had when I didn't have the opportunity and the fighters didn't have the opportunity to do what we do best. Yeah, actually, uh, I was going to bring this up, but since uh, Carrie said that, <laughs> yes, I saw the video too, and it looked like you were having a blast, man. That, I was that, amped up when I saw it. That was not dancing. I'm going to tell you, that was a step away from a possible seizure. <laughs> I am so yeah. surprised that the host of that karaoke didn't have a defibrillator because I sure as hell needed one. That was not dancing, man. Oh, my God. Sometimes I have, to look, I have to look back at that, and I'm like, you know something? I when you're drunk and, and and a lot of people know that, you know, when I hit, when I, when I hit the drinks, I'm a performer. I mean, I'm a performer before that, but I'm definitely a performer when I hit the drinks and karaoke is one of my favorite things because it's Japanese tone deaf. I can't sing for a damn. Everybody thinks, Oh, you're an announcer. You actually have a, you must have a good singing voice. Nope, not at all. I make up for it with a hell of a, uh, with a hell, with, with a hell of a performance. What is your drink of choice, sir? I think uh, we spoke about this before. Was it bourbon? No, it's he uh, Hendrix Gin and Tonic. Oh, okay. Gin and tonic. My dad's a gin and tonic guy. You guys will get along. A Hendrix Gin and Tonic, but I definitely do like Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. Basil Hayden, yeah. It's more of a, a, a on the non-smokier, sweeter side than most bourbons. A little more have that smokier uh, taste well, to it. Well, it has port in it. It has a little port in it, It has too. port in it. That's right. And, yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah, know your bourbon. I like that. Oh, yeah, 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 man. I used to manage a liquor store uh, so long ago. Uh, there's my mom. Of Shout course. out. There. Shout out, mom. Yep, yep, yep. She's, yeah, we're all here. We have a, we have a seven-acre ranch out here outside of San Antonio, and okay. uh, each of us have our own house out on this collected property. Um, I have a house. My mother has a house, and my aunt has a house, and my brother just came out here. He's going through a uh, uh, divorce proceedings right now, so uh, he's come out here to live with us. And the whole the whole family's out here, but we're nicely uh, separated from one another so that we don't crawl under each other's skin too much. And of course, you know, we're all out here uh, quarantined right now. So, you know, we we make the best out of the situation. But where we are, geographically speaking, is the best place that we could be, best place that you could be for a quarantine. I got to tell you, Jeff, it's so amazing that you're telling me this right now because I literally had a conversation with my parents a few months ago, and I said, eventually when I have things the way I want to have them, I want to buy a property on a large acreage and put everyone's houses there, but scatter them away from each other just enough where everybody has their own privacy. So that's freaking awesome, man. That's what we got. That's what, is, we, it, that's what is it the Houston Ranch? It could be. I mean, you know, <laughs> the Houston and the Whittier Ranch, because that's my that's my aunt's that's my aunt's name. So okay. it's the Houston and Whittier Ranch. You know, we live uh, like I said, we got about seven acres out here. We live down a private half mile uh, unpaved road. Mm -hmm. uh, we've only got so many neighbors around us, which is really great. And everybody who lives out here is a hunter. 
So you don't come around here, you know, messing with anybody. Yeah. You know, Nobody's that's, stealing your toilet paper. Oh no, and I've got my, and we've got our collective shotguns as well. So it's you know we, we're we're quite safe out here. So I, I people have even asked me, you know, where you live, uh, what happens if looters come? <laughs> let them come. Yeah, you, you really want to know what happens them. when looters come? <laughs> you know what? You, you know what happens when I, I've got a perfect answer. What is buckshot in your ass? <laughs> that's awesome, man. So uh, I had some uh, questions. Some uh, listeners have questions for you. Rock. Uh, looks like they're BKFC related. I guess they want to know if you know anything that's going on. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, no, guys. Uh, mm -hmm. I I haven't been uh, privy to any of the uh, information upcoming. Uh, we 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 don't have that as of yet, and okay. I'd love to be able to give you an idea. But you guys know how the situation in you know, and the world is changing on a daily basis. True. I mean, not even just a weekly basis, but on a daily basis, things are changing. So mm -hmm. with that being said, you know, there's no guarantee on a specific date uh, or venues move to a specific location. I know that Dave is doing everything he possibly can. If anybody is keeping their ear to the grindstone about the changing situation, it's definitely David Feldman, Dave Jr. and all the people with BKFC. So, but as of right now, no. No, we do not have a specific date, and we're hoping that May could be preserved, but we just don't know. I hope so. That's my home. That's my home. I hope so. That's, that'll that'll be great. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I, I you know obviously I've had Dave on the podcast multiple times. I mean he's he's just a really nice guy, you know, and mm -hmm. he's got a passion for what he does, and he loves it, and he loves the fighters, he loves his promotion. He loves everything about what he does and you could see it like I geek out with him talking about it. You know, it's it's so cool. But uh, I saw I've read this article about, you know, how he's been handling the situation for the promotion. But, you know, the fighters have been paid. Uh, they, they've taken care of the the arrangements for the fighters when, you know, uh, Kansas event got canceled um, and he's handled it as you can see, like a professional uh, and yeah, the fighters yeah. have so much respect for him. Obviously mm -hmm. you do everybody that works for him has nothing but great things to say about him. And my experiences have always been positive with David. And uh, you know, I think that goes to show a lot, you know, that this man is working super hard uh, to, you know, it's his baby, you know, he wants this thing to grow. So, you know, if you're involved with bare knuckle, you're in a really good situation. And I know you guys are going to bounce back from all this stuff. It's only oh, just I'm a matter of time bounce back it's not even a question of bounce yeah. back because we didn't fall why right. would we bounce back when we why would we have to bounce back when we didn't point. fell the That's situation the situation fell a lot of people say bounce back i'm like we didn't have anything if anything we were, we were about to have the largest draw in wichita that we've ever had at any bare knuckle event what we was were, the attendance that was estimated oh, it, it was gonna be five thousand plus wow it, nice. it was gonna be, was gonna be five thousand plus it growing was gonna be, yeah it, of course of course. I mean, if you look who was on the card, I mean, we had Nico Hernandez as the main event. I mean, Nico yeah. Hernandez, 2016 Olympic bronze medalist, mm -hmm. you know, uh, current uh, national champion, uh, you know, seven and no. And the only uh, Olympic medalist in Kansas history. I mean, this guy was responsible for at least 60 percent of the ticket sales. And then, of course, we had Dave Rickles, you know, longest tenured MMA fighter in Bellator history. You know, Bellator season eight lightweight tournament winner. If there's any, but if there's any one MMA fighter that's known in Kansas, it's Dave Rickles. Hmm. You know, it was a it was a great card. Then of course it we had the 
We had the rematch that we were all waiting for, you know, Faria and Peralta. Ugh. And I that was looking one, forward to that the most, man. That one was definitely yeah. going to make history because whoever walked out of that ring when the smoke cleared would be the most decorated female world champion in bare knuckle history. Yeah. Nobody yeah. would have ever accomplished what these two what these two fighters would have accomplished if that had gone down. And it still yeah. will go down. Yeah, it's it, it, it still will. It's just unfortunately, like I said, the situation we're in right now is unlike anything that we've ever ever experienced in our lifetimes. Nobody can yeah. say that they've experienced anything quite like this in their respected lifetime. Not like this. The closest thing I could probably say is 9-11. Yeah. But, 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 but business was as usual after a couple of days. Right. We're talking months now, which is unprecedented, you know, yeah. in modern human history as of right now. So hmm. you can't get mad at shows doing the right thing by shutting down and eliminating the possibility of spreading it and making it last even longer. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy, but of course I feel for the fighters. Of course I feel for Dave, you know, he took a, he took a shot on the chin on this one as so many other promoters did, sure. but you know something, what happens when you take a shot on the chin, you get back up, get back up. Get back so up. true. And that's, what's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Well, what's the shirt? Keep calm, man. Oh, I, I got to show you. Ugh. Pop it up and let Jeff handle it. All right, nice. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. I want to give it a be calm and let Bourbon handle it, man. Because I gotta. Oh, gotta I know. It, so. I know you're already started, man. I already started, man. You're, you got. A few I didn't inches. actually. I really. You got a few inches on your smile. <laughs> so that's why I'm asking. You're like, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> Actually, Jeff, me and you would do for a nice little bourbon uh, at the next pay-per-view once everything settles down. Uh, once we're all done, man, I say yeah. Uh, yeah, a bourbon and a stogie. Deal, man. That sounds like a good plan to me, brother. Uh, we, can, we can definitely talk to Scott Bird about that because you can get the official Bare Knuckle Boxing Hall of Fame stogies. They're awesome. Oh, cool. Scott, I'll be reaching out, my friend. You better. It's awesome, man. I, I, Jeff, I want to thank you for being on this podcast tonight because I feel like it's it's been long overdue. I've been wanting to have the one-on-one -on -one with you for quite some time. And I'm actually glad it happened now because given the circumstances with everything going on, uh, this was pretty cool, you know, to to have this uh, at this time and talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I'm just, yeah. uh, I've got plenty to keep me distracted. You remember I was talking to you before about all everything that I got distracted here. I've got my, uh, I've got my pool table. I've got my PS4. I've got my board games. I've got my recording studio. I've got my home gym. I mean, seriously, I am in a, a nexus of entertainment over here. So <laughs> don't worry about me, folks. I mean, you probably weren't to begin with and you shouldn't have to worry about me because everything is all good over here at the Houston Ranch, man. We're all <laughs> holding up very nicely. Nobody's getting too bored. Well, the wife baby but you know she's used to having uh, uh an agenda you know at you know just like a, a, just like us all and a, most of us want to get back to that agenda so cool. the best thing the best thing we can say man is you know you know if there's a stay-at-home ordinance follow it follow it right now i mean you know we don't need you to be a rebel we we don't need you to be we don't need you to be a rebel now if you're just going somewhere like some people will go over to a friend's house and everything like that that's a calculated risk as opposed to trying to go out to a group of more than 10 people or trying to do restaurants or bars or, you know, uh, you know, uh, what you call it, uh, movie theaters and stuff like that. But most of those are going to be closed already. 
most of those are going to be closed, you know, throughout the country, throughout the world anyway. Uh, but, they're you know. Down here in Florida, Jeff, they're actually, I'd be 100% honest with you, but they pretty much closed down every bar and restaurant for the next, well, every bar and nightclub have been closed for the next 30 days. They're not allowed to operate. Uh, the restaurants here, they're allowed only 50% capacity of what they're allowed in. Uh, and most of them are not serving booze. But uh, here's the here's the uh, the but. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are operating as speakeasies right now. So if you actually go out, you're walking around, and you'll actually see the lights are out, but the owner's outside. And the owner's like, "Hey, you know, I'm still I'm still making dinner. You know, if you want some dinner, I'll I'll make it for you. Box but it up. Probably, yeah, but yeah, but box it up. I mean, you know, because you know capacity limits go really easy. And the, the scary thing about this situation is, is that you could be a host and not even know about it. And that's the scary. And that's the scary. What is part. it? 20, 24 days before you. No, it's, 14, any it, 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 it's anywhere from four to 14 days. I read before, somewhere it was like 24 days before no, you see symptoms. Like, sorry, nah, it's not, not that long. No, okay. no. It's two weeks at max. It's two weeks at max before still, you start. You're and walking lot, around and not knowing it. You know? well, not, well, not only that, a large portion of the carriers who do have it are asymptomatic. Okay. And that's even more scary because they're not even showing symptoms outside of maybe a fever if they happen to, you know, take their temperature and such. But that's why this is as serious as it is, is because you just don't know. And when you go out there trying to be a rebel, you know, hanging around a lot of people, like I said, if you want to go to your friend's house, that's a calculated risk. Go ahead and do that. I don't care about that. What I care about is you going out and congregating in public with more than 10 people and saying, oh, well, I, I'm not going to yeah. get it. That's not what we're worried about. We're worried about you getting it and pass along to somebody who has an existing respiratory situation or a senior citizen. You know, those are the people that are at the front lines of the risk. I'll admit I went out somewhere the other day to a friend, but it was a calculate, but it was a calculated risk because I went there and back. It's more of a calculated risk doing something like that as opposed to, like I said, going and congregating with a larger group. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm gonna and I'm and I'm gonna lessen uh, the times that I'm going down. I'm gonna follow this home ordinance. I'm gonna stay my ass at home and uh, do what's asked of me because in the end, we all do that. We get done sooner. Life goes back to the way it is. I can right. get back into my awesome suits, get back on the mic, and do what I do best. And the fighters, they can do what they do best, and that's entertain the hell out of millions of people. Hell yeah, man! I, I can't wait to uh, for it to all be back, and it will be back soon, and you'll be it back soon. Be. And we definitely can't wait to see you back in the ring, my friend. I appreciate that, man. I know that uh, we did one-on-one, but I, I miss Ray. I oh, miss yeah. Ha- I miss having Ray, man. I'm going to tell you, his, uh, his, his comical genius, man. I mean, you know, he is definitely – He's a funny guy, man. He's a, he's a funny cat. He thinks mm-hmm. fast on his feet. You know, I mean, you know, he's a guy who can keep up with me. Well, maybe a little bit, but, you know, it's kind of hard to keep <laughs> up with me, I'll be the first to say. You know, I talk a lot, you know. And it's definitely going to be hard to keep up with the way you dress, man. Oh, it is. It is. And, and you know, <laughs> so many people actually get, you know, kind of ir- irritated at me because I talk yeah. so much. And I tell them, you know something, I'm a ring announcer. You know, getting mad at a ring announcer for talking too much is like getting mad at a waterfall for having water. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make exactly. any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make, make any sense. sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And you're a funny guy too, man. <laughs> uh, some people would say so. Definitely not my wife. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny too. <laughs> <laughs>
But man, no, it was a, it was a pleasure, man. It really is. Always a pleasure yeah. to talk to you and and just having you on the podcast, man. My honor to have number one ring announcer in the world on my podcast. It's been uh, a lot of fun. So let's stay in touch, man. Because if uh, you know, once I hear that you know we get the all clear, we can get these events going again. I'll be there, man. So I'm really looking forward to it and getting back out and uh, doing my thing too. I hope so, man. And and folks, for those of you who tune in, man, Jabberwocky Joe is the best of what he does. A guy thing podcast. He is just so professional and so on top of things when he brings somebody on. He makes you feel like, you know, one of the boys. You're having a great time. Good. You know, he's, he's asking the right questions that you want to hear on a situation like this. So, guys, tune in to a guy thing podcast, man, you know. Get yourself in your comfortable chair, grab yourself a bourbon, sit back, relax, and enjoy Jabberwocky Joe and a guy that podcast. <laughs> Jabberwocky Joe. I love it, man. I love it. Thank you again, Jeff. You stay safe. Wash your hands. Use sanitizer. Make sure you got enough toilet paper to wipe your ass. Whatever you need to do, man. If anybody comes at your doorstep, buckshot. You know what hey, I'm saying? Hey, I, I've got a body condom on standby. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Talk to you soon, buddy. Take care. Guys, and uh, that's a wrap uh, for tonight. Episode 84, I believe now. 85, something like that. Uh, Jeff Houston, he is. He's the best ring announcer in the world. I pulled up the video earlier. Check him out. Uh, Mr. Live Worldwide. You can follow him on pretty much all of the social media. Uh, but you can check out his work. You know, Go on YouTube and check out uh, all of the events and promotions. He travels the world, seriously. And he's very well-respected. Uh, in the combat sport industry, he's a true professional. So it was an absolute pleasure to have him on the podcast tonight. Um, just continue to follow. Uh, we don't have much going on as far as sports and stuff, but I'm going to try to keep, keep you guys entertained uh, with some very interesting guests. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of people since the quarantine because people still want to be heard, uh, even though they're not working right now. I do want to do something with helping other people. I know a lot of businesses are either folding right now, people are getting laid off from work. So I'm trying to figure out something creative that I could do to help people uh, in this tough time, uh, whether it's donating money, time, whatever. I'm trying to figure something out. If anybody has any ideas, please let me know. Uh, I'd appreciate uh, any kind of help because I definitely want to help the community out. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, follow at A Guy Thing Podcast. And uh, check out the website, guythinkpodcast.com. Please subscribe. Uh, that, again, helps me really uh, grow this this whole thing. And, of course, uh, special thanks to Bare Knuckle Freak. Guys, that's all I got for tonight. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. Sanitizer. Social distancing. Whatever the hell you got to do to disinfect, disinfect. But always stay sharp. Okay? Don't believe everything you hear in the media. Use your own judgment. And that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful night.